0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Jana Axline. She is the Chief Project Officer of Project Genetics. Jana, how are you today?
1: Great, thanks for having me.
0: I'm very excited to have you on. We're going to have a great conversation about projects, project management, and the in the digital space. But like always, we need to prove that you're a real life human. Uh, <laughs> Jamie your question today to prove your humanity is: if you could get tickets to any event in the world, what would it be?
1: You know, I'd have to say I want a time machine to go with it because I'd like to go see. Um, oh, now I'm drawing a blanket. What it was called? But the live, the live. Uh, aid show.
0: Oh, wow. Because um,
1: yeah. I was alive then, but I wasn't <laughs> old enough to understand um, what it was all about. So I, I missed it. So I would love to go back and uh, see that. And it would be a hard choice between the U.S. and and the shows that were at um, in England, but yeah, uh, either one would work.
0: <laughs> That's a great point to know that, like, just looking back in history, there's some moments that just would have been great to just be there and, and yeah. see what's going on. Absolutely. Well, that that works for me. That's a real human <laughs> answer. So, tell us about yourself. Tell us about Project Genetics. Uh, what what do we what can we learn from you?
1: Yeah, so um, I I like to introduce myself sometimes as I am project management. So in my MBA, I discovered project management and realized there was this whole career field that just fit my personality. And so because of that, I I went on this um, you know plunge into project management. Was volunteering, got my first project management job at Cigna Healthcare, and then after that, I realized that. I, but I still wanted to make a difference and make a big difference. And so with that, I decided to launch um, Project Genetics, which is a project management consulting company, um, because so many companies make projects far more difficult than they need to be. <laughs> so we want to go and help people realize their um, project ROI, uh, get the benefits that they're expecting out of it um, and, in a way that doesn't cause them to bang their head against the wall.
0: That is a very noble cause. And I'm glad you are in the middle of it. Because yeah, I mean, I think in general, like, I think before I got into the corporate world and things like I didn't understand there was such a thing as project management. And then now that I'm in it, I was like, well, it's like all project management to some extent. Right. So what was that journey like for you right now, Or how do you define that now? Like, what would you say? Hey, you got a project here?
1: Um well, yeah, I mean, a project has anything that has a start and an end date and it's a you know defined scope. and there are a lot of a lot of challenges we have with the clients who try to bring in their their projects and their um, operational processes and it doesn't work, right because with with operational processes that are repeatable, you need to create a repeatable um, solution where the the heart of project management is that you there are nuances to it and you have to change it. And if you approach them both the same way, you're not going to get an ideal outcome. So, um, you know, I do think it's important to understand what is a project and what is operations. Um, and, but it's a very common thing throughout, uh, all organizations kind of blurring the lines. Not that you have to have a project manager necessarily for every project, but it's just realizing that you don't want your project that could take three months to end up taking six months because you're not actually treating it like a project, right? Mm. You get things like scope creep, right? People are like, yep. oh, well, let's add this thing and this thing and this thing. And then it never ends. <laughs> um, yeah, it comes like a series of mini enhancements or something rather than a true project.
0: When you think about like the core skills that somebody needs as they're entering the workforce, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it sounds like one is, can you distinguish between a process and a project and what needs to happen? And then what else would you add there in terms of like, just basic project management skills that the average team leader needs to have.
1: Yeah. So there's two levels in this. And and one of the, the second level is the reason I started the the company um, or, or another reason I started it. But so, the first level is just understanding your basic project management tools. So, um, you find people who enjoy um, saying, Well, here's where we are, here's where we have to go, and here's all the steps to get us there, right? It's being able to understand that sequence of events and who needs to be involved, and being able to bring those people together to build a plan and then execute the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in and, and project management, they talk about, you know, you've got to understand ri- risks and issues. So, being able to see what potentially could go wrong or or things that you could capitalize on you see a market shift and you're like oh if we could bring this in a, a month early we could potentially um you know get to market faster and gain a whole bunch more market share right so it's being able to to be able to see those variables and, and adjust to them it's being able to be a team lead um it's being able to uh you know be a semi-structured person, obviously project managers go on a whole spectrum of how structured they are, but the value of project management is creating structure around um, here's how we plan, here's how we manage our budget, here's how we manage our communications, et cetera. So um, having a desire to have some structure is important. Um, but then there's the second layer. And this is where we come, you know, project genetics come in. We, we talk about operating at the intersection of passion and expertise. And the reason is, is we want our people to treat it like a craft. Because what I find is you need people who actually care about leadership, to be able to be a true project manager, right? Anybody can go, not anybody, but you know quite a few people can go build a checklist and say, here are all the things we have to do to, to accomplish this. But that doesn't mean they're gonna be able to rally the team and get everybody there um, a- a- as efficiently as somebody else. So uh, that where that comes in, I think people need to have the ability to um, communicate at all levels of the organization uh, you know, from the CEO down to, you know, a developer or, or, or whomever, um, they need the ability to um, uh, pr- appropriately react to different variables, right, and have that agility uh, and and be able to operate in ambiguity because things pop up on projects all the time. So how do you react to that? Uh, they need to have really strong facilitation skills and strong conflict management skills, right, because problems arise all the time on projects. Uh, And so how do you facilitate resolution of those problems? Um, And then just overall, you know, I think it's really strong. I guess you could sum it up in a strong EQ, right? What's your um, emotional quotient? Um, How do you, How Do do you understand what you're good at? Do you understand what other people are good at? Do you understand how those things come together so that you can get the best outcome?
0: So that's a lot to uh, (laughs) expect. (laughs) As as you like kept going through, it's like, okay, well, these people are, these people are, these people are, we all like can cancel ourselves out at some point in that. (laughs) But it's always been a challenge to be a a great project manager. And you know, no one's perfect. And we all have things we need to work on. Yeah. But what I wanted to do is to take this conversation into the digital space. Yes. That's the topic of, of this show. As you see project managers, especially over the last year and a half, make this big shift between being able to have everybody in the same room, always connected to each other, always kind of status updates are basically in the air. You don't have to worry about them. It's just everything seen. Some of these things about communication, facilitation, EQ is definitely much, I would say much easier. And when you're next to each other, when you take these things into the digital space, what are some of those fundamental changes about project management?
1: Um, I think there's a few things. One that is very challenging is if you have um, a, a team with an in-person culture and mm-hmm. then some people are are remote, um, that to me is probably the worst. I'd rather yeah. have everybody there or everyone remote. But when you have a culture of... Um, you know, ninety percent of the of the team is in the room, but then ten percent's on the phone. Um, it creates a lot of challenges to be heard because the people in the room don't necessarily know how to um, uh, change their communication style and make sure they're including people. So, I would say if you're in that environment, you need to re- create really strong ground rules for how your meetings are going to be run, um, and making sure that the people on the phone. Uh, have the opportunity to be heard. Um, but beyond that, right? So because that's a very specific instance, in, in digital project management around around meetings and, and all of that, I think it just goes to about intention, right? Because when you're in an office, you have these moments where you can catch up with people at the side of their desk, you're there, you're available. Um so we've put in different you know depending on different parts of the project different techniques for example you know when we're at a critical point of the project we leave a um a webex open all day long mm. and people and and the project manager sits on there and so people can jump in and have a conversation whenever they need to have a conversation with the project manager or we can send out a note and bring everybody in you know that's one thing we've had to do on the project but it's i think create you know project managers should have um a communications plan and a kind of a meeting plan, and there should just be really clear um, objectives for each of those meetings, and really cl- uh, clear methods of how do we bring people together to get the point across, and then create opportunities to have those side of desk conversations. Whether it's you know making a list of your team members and and you know calling them once a week, something, but um, having a way to just have this free time. Uh, to catch up, ad hoc, like ad hoc type conversation rather than an agenda.
0: Can I take it that then you're not a fan of hybrid work and a very undefined thing when you have certain people coming into the office some days, or you can stay home as much as you want? Like, is that kind of a really bad mix for project management?
1: Um, it can be fine. Where where the problem tends to rise is more about if uh, everybody, if you've got ten people in a meeting room. And then you've got five people on the phone. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the office, um, what I found is that it's sometimes better if everybody just stays in their uh, at their desk to join that type of meeting. If you're sh- if you're meeting with a lot of um, people who are virtual, um, maybe everybody should just dial in so that you get the same experience. Or the company needs to invest in creating um, a really good, you know, digital space to meet. Right. So that the audio is good. I mean, we've been, we had a client where they spent all this money putting in these, you know, the multimedia to have conference calls. Um, And so they've got cameras, which is fantastic. Um, I I love that setup, but then they can't, we can't ever hear the people in the room because the mics are in the ceiling. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> um, and they come down and, and you can't hear. So then you're not having an effective meeting. So I think you know the, the, the mix can work as long as the room is retrofitted in a way that actually can still facilitate conversation and you're not feeling like you're not being heard when you're on the phone.
0: Tell us about the speed at which things happen. In general, when we talk about project management or we talk about digital workplaces, excuse me, is that in general, they tend to be slower. If you're fully distributed, you take longer to make decisions. And sometimes that's a great advantage because you get to remit on things longer, you get to process things longer, you're not making snap decisions and judgments, and you tend to maybe make better decisions, but they are slower. In project management, sometimes you don't have that kind of gap to say, hey, we're just going to extend this out by another week. So how have you found the ability to go back and forth between speed
1: and accuracy and processing in digital platforms? So it's interesting that you say that because um, we do project estimation, and as part of our – we have a a, a, a software that we leverage for this, and one of the variables is there is how um, uh, distributed is your team and how many teams and how many locations because when you change that factor, it actually increases, like you just said, the the time, but it also increases the cost. Right. Because time does equal money when it when we're talking about, you know, paying people. Um, so the, it's very true that projects that uh, can take longer. I You know, I again, I think if a project manager sets in, a t- in uh, attention and plans or it put, uh, puts intention in their plans, uh, meeting planning they can help with some of that like making sure that there's recurring spots for decision making discussion decisions um you know have leadership attend a meeting maybe it's fortnightly maybe it's monthly but something where you can get things in front of them but having a really good plan around that the second thing that helps speed is how much dedication you can have um, people on a project so if you're giving people 10 percent allocation to a project yeah you're probably going to run out of um uh, uh, runway to be to be able to let decisions you know slide, or you can't just throw a meeting on a calendar if somebody's only ten percent allocated, um, because they're that means they're ninety percent allocated to other things. Um, so it's really important to make sure that you've got your resource planning right. And then the final thing is, I think you just need to um, be honest about what can be virtual and one, what cannot. You know, the, like f- when Scaled Agile came out, one of the things was that uh, the PI planning, everybody had to be in the room. And they said the value of you um, sending people on the plane to be in the room to have this once a quarter meeting outweighed any cost that it took to people to get there. Now, obviously, when we're talking about health and we're talking about COVID and things like that, you know, we have to take a different stance. And so that's where a lot, you know, a lot of people started doing these things um, digitally. And I think it can be done, but I, I think you lose some of that synergy. There is value in being in a room and overhearing other conversations that are happening because it can help influence the information that you are um you know, that's going into your current plan. So we've had clients, you know, so PI planning's example, but we've had clients who just went through, um, system testing and, uh, it was remote and it took an extra two months to get through it because there couldn't be the implementation partner sitting next to the business user, helping them through the system saying, all right, let's do this. It was all over WebEx and it, there was just something lost. In that, So uh, with that client, we made the decision that people would get vaccinated and we would do it, um, you know, when we did UAT, we did it in person and it went so much better. Mm. Um, So, you know, I think it's important to understand who all the parties are and what topic you're going through uh, on whether or not it truly can be uh, remote or should you have some and make the investment and have some things in person.
0: Yeah. So if you have a situation where you have a team that's going on, let's say a two quarter project and you're going to be meeting once in the middle and you only get Mm -hmm. one time to be all together, like what would you put in that bucket of saying these are non-negotiables? Like if you get time together do this, what would you say are those most important things to focus on as a project manager?
1: Well, unfortunately, that's not going to be a, extremely clear cut because it also depends on what the project is. And if it's smack in the middle, what, you know, what are we doing smack in the middle of that, you know, that's moving the project forward? But I would say this, the one thing that regardless of when you're meeting, um, if you're only getting, you know, moments together, it's team building. Is the most important thing because if you build those relationships and you enhance those relationships, then when you get to um, you know keep going, people have a better understanding and and communication gets better. And I'll give you a great example. So um, I'm you know you were talking about everybody has their flaws. So I'm a kind of straight to it. Um, you know, sometimes I come across as harsh. Sometimes people think I'm harsh because I'm just tell it like it is. Um, no, I'm not rude, but you know, I'm also not, I don't sugarcoat things either. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I found though, was that if I went and met team members in person, um, then it just became, Oh, that's just Jana. And they didn't take it personally anymore. So yeah. until they met me in person and we had, you know, a more, Uh, relaxed conversation that wasn't around the project. um, They didn't understand that. Now we've got the benefits now that, you know, this, that was happening about 10 years ago when people weren't using video so much and, you know, you're picking up the phone to do a conference call. Um, You know, so now you can do the same thing with video, but it's about the facial expressions. And it's about having conversations though, that aren't, focused on what task is at hand. So that would be the number one thing that I would make sure that there's time for is just to have fun together and get to know each other regardless what you're meeting about.
0: It almost sounds like you would advocate for a kickoff meeting much more important Mm -hmm. than maybe a closure meeting because you get that context. Like you said, I can have a sense of how you talk. I can have a sense of your mannerisms. That way when we're interacting, you know, almost exclusively digitally later on, I know how to filter those through.
1: Absolutely. I would say if you're going to prioritize any in person meeting, it would be a kickoff meeting where you can spend time to get to know each other. You can put rules in, in, of engagement for the project. Uh, and then you can just align, right? You can align on where we're headed, what the vision is, um, and, and how we're going to get there. So that would be the most important one to have.
0: There's a couple of terms you've thrown out there that I really love, and we talk about a lot on our show and in our articles. One is intention, that you've mentioned a few mm-hmm. times, just especially in digital environments. We say that's one of the core characteristics of successful digital workplaces is they have a lot of intention. Mm-hmm. They they see things, they do it on purpose because you do need to do that more often in a digital workplace. But the other one you brought up was overhearing things. And that's also something that tends to be lost in digital environments is that you don't get that sense of what that other team is talking about or what somebody who's like, you, you tend to only be invited to meetings where it's appropriate you're there. You don't get a chance to overhear what somebody else is talking about or get that little osmosis going on of what, what other people are going on with that. Can you tell us more about what you think about from overhearing things?
1: Yeah. So I'll talk about it in two levels. One, we have a client who's about to, to go live with an implementation and we're talking about the command center. And, um, you know, we want the, the technology people and the business, the functional people to be in the room together. Um, because even if the functional, like a business person is training somebody else, like somebody comes in with a question of, I just don't know how to do this. It may lead the technology person to realize there's, maybe there's an actual problem. We've had five people come in with that question. Maybe I need to go look at how this is laid out. So right, so things that maybe never would get passed over tech technology, because they hear it, they can make it better. So I think that's one example. And then the other one is really around um, just development, right? Um, you know, you there's a lot of studies that show that um, by surrounding people with high performers, where they can overhear conversations, uh, uh, that person's performance level will rise just from what they learn from overhearing it. So it might be like, you know, I might be sitting in my cubicle back in those days. And overhearing a more senior project manager dealing with a tough call and I'm learning techniques on how to deal with a similar call, even though I'm not on the call, just hearing the mannerisms of how that person's speaking uh, and the language that they're using is going to make me a better project manager. So I think we lose that. And and it's hard to say how you could even recreate that digitally other than being like, okay, well, I'm now going to go train myself on this and go, you know, and make it more formal. But you don't get it by osmosis anymore yeah i'm I'm actually a big fan of split workforces like does everybody come in for a day and hang you know like having some sort of something where you can create people you know bring people together
0: that's great and there's really no like you can't take a linkedin class or, or something like that about how to handle a really difficult stakeholder like you can like synthesize those lessons and talk about it, but there's nothing like being in the middle of it and right. watching somebody try to talk somebody off a ledge like that's about ready to throw something. Right. Like that being able to witness that, feel that energy, feel that emotion in the room and being able to see what that's like. I mean, that there's nothing like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Great. Jenna, uh, let's end our time talking about some technology stuff. I'm assuming as kind of like a very low level project manager myself, like that there, there's a spectrum of tools you would use. Like on the very left side, Very basic would just be, hey, I got a spreadsheet that I'm trying to organize some things in. And then Mm -hmm. someone like you is probably you've used some very highly sophisticated tools that are here on the right side. Mm. For someone who hasn't been trained so much, when do you know that it's time to level up? I guess when do you know that it's like, hey, this tool is too basic. You need something a little bit more advanced to help you out.
1: That's an interesting question um, because I do think it has a lot to do with more about the complexity of your project and how much interaction people are going to have with your with your plan. So um, I love like the team's tasks or monday.com or um, all of those. When I, when I want team members to be able to see their tasks and be able to, you know, go in and it has due dates, it has email reminders, it has all of that. And it's it's really easy to, um, to go and check off. Now, if I have a really complex project schedule, though, I need to use MS Project or something of a similar caliber, because I, now I have dependencies, I have these, um, you know, complicated, this this task can't start for 14 days until this, you know, after this task ends. And and project is just, and other ones, there's another great one, Focus HQ and stuff. It's just so much easier to type that in and it auto-calculates and everything moves out. Um, for instance, my biggest frustration with Planner right now is you can't get a, like, uh, by Microsoft, is you can't get a Gantt chart. Mm-hmm. So you can't see um how all of this comes together and to me that you know a gantt chart is is very important to me so what i would say is you know if if it's really simple and it's more around just a bunch of tasks that have to go together that you know dependencies on other tasks aren't as critical or it's very obvious right because it's a it's a step-by-step use something like teams if you need to go one step up move to something like monday.com because monday.com does introduce dependencies they have a project management um, tool in there. You know, it's great because you can you can email from it. There's other collaboration, right? It becomes a collaboration tool. But when it's not until you get into highly complex projects, where it's something like five hundred, you know, well, I mean, three hundred to five hundred tasks um, with uh, critical dependencies, that then do you move into a true project management software.
0: That's good. I think that that's really helpful to know, like the complexity of the project and when you need to bump up and down to the different ones. It's great. Jenna, this has been uh, really fun to learn about this topic. It's something that I think we all have some experience in, but it's, it's great to learn from somebody who lives it and is, is in there every day for that. So that's great. Uh, tell us where we can go to learn more about you and what you do.
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm prolific out there. So Jana Axline, A-X-L-I-N-E. Um, or you can learn more about Project Genetics at projectgenetics.com. And you can check out our, um, our video blog on, on YouTube under Project Genetics.
0: Great. Well, we are excited to meet you and to be exposed to what you're talking about. We look forward to connecting with you again soon in the future. Thank you. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you think. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. The music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.